verse 2, James chapter 1, verse 2. And last week we talked about, uh, actually let's go to Hebrews 4 real quick. Then we'll come back to James chapter 1, verse 2. Hebrews 4, uh, verse 2. We can put that in the Amplified, that'd be great. It says, For indeed we have had the glad tidings the gospel of God proclaimed to us just as truly as they, the Israelites of old, did when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, or uh, the King James says it did not profit them, uh, but the message did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. And then it says, With the leaning of the entire personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. Uh, It is important for us to understand that when it talks about the leaning of the entire personality, uh, we have to be very careful as believers to understand that our personality is not always working uh, for our good. (laughs) In other words, uh, sometimes people have certain traits or characteristics that are uh, flawed in their personality that often inhibits their ability to get into faith and to truly believe God. And so Dad Hagen used to say it this way. He said a, a, spiritual, a true spiritual giant is one whose mind and whose heart agree. Uh, in other words, you can have faith in your head and not have faith in your heart. You can also have faith in your heart and you can struggle in your head. But if you can get your head and your heart in agreement, Uh, you will see greater manifestations of your faith because now you're leaning with the entirety of your personality and the entirety of who you are. You are leaning on uh, God for every single thing. And so let's go to James real quick. James chapter 1, verse 2. And if you put that in the message, that'd be great, please. It says, consider the sheer gift, friends, when when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed and not deficient in uh, any way. Uh, It goes on to say, keep going, if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help. He won't be, uh, it won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believing, without a second thought. People who worry their prayers are wind-whipped, are wind-whipped like waves. Uh, don't think you're going to get anything from the master that, that way, adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. In other words, uh, people who worry their prayers are people who uh, really don't understand the concepts of faith, uh, really don't get the fact that you can't worry your way into faith. Uh, Worry is actually the antithesis of faith. In other words, there's a peace or a rest that comes when you are in faith. You're not worried. You're not concerned. You're not upset. You're not panicking. But you have a certain peace and a calm. You're not whipped like waves in the sea. But you are uh, at a place where you understand that your God has your back and that he is uh, truly the one who is sovereign over all things. If we could put James 1, 2 in the NIV, 
that would be most beneficial for us. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Um, in just this one scripture, we see several things that need to be uh, brought out. It says, Whenever you face, whenever you face. Now, notice this, it doesn't say if you face. It says whenever you face. And the understanding of whenever means that you are always going to face a trial of some sort. Uh, oftentimes people think that if you've got something that's trying you or something that is uh, coming against you, that somehow you've done something wrong. And oftentimes the trial is in fact the indication that you are on the right path and big things are about to happen. Uh, one of the, in ancient war, uh, one of the last things they would do is release elephants uh, into your territory because they knew that elephants would just stampede and destroy everything. See, the first thing that Satan wants to do is he wants to collect whatever he can take from you. In other words, when he comes, he tries to steal. And then when he can't steal, then he decides to destroy. See, because if he can steal it first, then he doesn't have a problem with it because he can keep coming back and taking from you whatever it is you have. And so he'd rather you stay alive and keep accumulating things so he can keep stealing it. But the moment he comes to the conclusion that you're not going to let him steal anymore, then that's when he says, okay, I can't take the spoils from them, so I'll go ahead and release the elephants. And when I release the elephants, they're going to stampede everything. They're going to destroy everything. And he doesn't care at that point. But that's always the last resort. And so when we're dealing with uh, understanding these trials and things that come into our lives, we have to realize the Bible's telling us to consider it pure joy. Consider it a gift. Consider it uh, something that is worth celebrating to know that whenever you, you face trials, whenever means it's coming. There are always going to be things that we're going to have to overcome. There are always going to have to be things that we go through uh, in our life. And we've got to learn to go through them and to not stay in the midst of the situation. And so he tells us first to consider it pure joy. Number two, whenever you face, meaning it's inevitable. And then he says trials of many kinds. In other words, uh, I've had people say, you know, well, my family's under attack. Okay, well, great. Let me know when your finances are under attack, too. Well, my family's under attack. My finances are under attack. Great. Let me know when your relationships are under attack, too. See, because it, it's, it's the constant pressure of going against Satan. See, if you're not running into Satan at all, then that means you're going the same way he is. And so we have to understand that he's going to try every single direction that he can get into your life. This is why... Uh, when you look at relationships, particularly for you single folks, you got to be careful who you marry. You got to be careful who you date. You got to be careful. Uh, I've seen some people, they really have chosen who they've married, not because that's the person they should marry, but because they've been intimate or they've gotten soul ties and now they can't see it correctly. And it literally will derail the ministry in their life. And I'm telling you, there are very few people, I can count them on one hand, in the total time of ministry of 15 years that I've been in ministry, I can count it on one hand the number of people that have actually made it out from a, a soul tie correctly. And it's because Satan will try everything he can to defeat the purpose in your life. And he comes from 
diverse kinds and diverse trials or many kinds. In other words, it, it, it comes from various different directions. And the reality is that whatever is a test for you may not be a test for me. Uh, you know, it's like some people may struggle with alcohol, for example. I am not one who struggles with alcohol. I never liked the taste of alcohol. So for me, it's never, it wasn't hard. Uh, now, if it's chocolate cake, that's a whole different problem all into itself. And so what I want you to begin to realize is the diversity of trials is retro uh, uh, or related to what you struggle with. So whatever your button is, that's what Satan's going to try to push and push and push and push. And what works for you may not work uh, for someone else. This is why when, when, uh, when we talked about uh, Abraham and how Abraham was trying to conceive a son, uh, we see his prosperity came pretty quick. He prospered by most theologians' records. It, it wasn't more than a year or so, and he was prospering beyond all belief. But it took him, what, 20-something years to get an Isaac. See, certain things, certain people struggle with, and it has nothing to do so much with their individual faith level as much as it has to do with what type of attack Satan wants to bring uh, into your life. And so we have to rest assured to know that we need faith. We've got to build our faith. We've got to get stronger in our faith. But there's really only one way that truly builds our faith, and that is trials of many kinds. And then it says, uh, whenever you face them, which means they're unpredictable. And it says there are many kinds. And then notice what it says. The reason for it is because you know that the testing of your faith will produce perseverance. It'll produce long-term. It'll produce the ability to withstand. It'll produce the, will, the ability to endure. Um, you know... <laughs> I'm going to give you a very secular example, but it's, it's one that illustrates this the best to me. I remember years ago, you know, prior to my service to God, uh, you know, if you ever got caught in a situation out in the street with, with some friends, you knew which ones of your friends knew how to fight and which ones didn't. And, and you knew which ones talked the most, and you knew which ones had actually been hit before. Uh, as Mike Tyson so eloquently put it, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And so when you're dealing with people, I personally would rather deal with someone who's been beat up before than to deal with someone who's never taken a punch and just been talking about it. And so when he says that the trying of your faith produces perseverance, it means that the, the, the more you go through and the more things come at you. And don't get me wrong, sometimes I wish God didn't trust me so much. But the reality is that the more you go through and the more you have to withstand, the stronger you become and the greater it is, the greater your ability is to endure in the moments where other attacks come because you have the, the, the reference point of saying, I went through this before. You tried this and I got through this. You tried to hit me with this, but I got through this. You tried to do this, but I got through this. And now I begin to create reference points in my life where every time an attack comes, I'm like, this is the best you got. This is all you can come with because if you think this is going to stop me. It's not going to stop me. All you've done is you've angered me. And when you've angered me, now what you've caused me to do is to call upon my God in whom I trust because he 
deliver me from this, he'll deliver me from that. And that's why when David said that God delivered him from the paw of the bear and the, and the, and the mouth of the lion, he was letting Saul know that this filthy Philistine who has stood against me on this day, I am not afraid of him because God delivered me back then. And God will keep delivering me every step of the way because the trying of my faith, it worketh patience. It worketh perseverance. It allows me to stand when everybody else wants to give up. It allows me to stand and fight when everybody else wants to throw in a towel because I've taken some punches. I've taken some hits. This ain't my first rodeo. And he says, so that you know that the testing of that faith produces perseverance. It's amazing to me how many people in today's world, they know how to start, but they don't know how to finish. They can get something started real fast. But to actually finish it all the way through is a whole nother discussion. And we have to learn that God wants us to persevere. God needs us because, listen, the attack you're on today is not the level you're going to be fighting tomorrow. And with every new level comes a bigger devil. The moment you want to stand and believe the word, the Bible says you will be tried for the word's sake. You'll be tried just because you decided to believe in prosperity. You, you'll be tried just because you want to believe for healing in your physical body. Just because you had the audacity to stand up and believe and say that my God would not lie to me. Just because you made a decision to stand for God and to do and to believe that his word is actually true. Just because of that one reason alone, he said that it will come to try you and to test you. Will you hold? Will you believe? Will you stand? when it doesn't look like it's going to work will you believe God when everything against you is working all to your negative and not to your benefit will you be able to say that my God is in fact well able when everything does not look like it's going to be what you believe it to be the word itself will test you. It needs to know what are you made of? What's the metal in you? What's the grit in you? How far are you willing to go with this thing? Are you riding the fence? Because one thing that will get you off the fence is the word. It will really help you decide where you really want to be. Because the, the truth of the matter is all that fence riding people do, Satan owns the fence. And we have got to learn as believers if if you really want to produce what God has promised you, you are going to have to get off the fence. You're going to have to realize that it's all or it's nothing. Because when the word comes to test you, it's coming. And when it comes to test you, it wants to know, are you going to endure? And listen, I don't want to be counted amongst the people that started and never finished. That's why when, when, when you look at the word, uh, wherever you face, where it says face trials, that word is peripipto, which means it's, it's a, a Greek word. It means when you kind of, uh, how do I say it? When you step into something unexpectedly, <laughs> it, it's, it's like a shock. Now, how many of you know it's not a shock to God, but it's a shock to you. 
And whenever those things happen, your response is everything. At that moment, your response is everything. Because you can abort the very dream that God has given you. You can abort the very word that you are standing on in the precise moment when the attack comes, when you now have to face what was unexpected. This is, this is why in so many cases, biblically, you will see how people uh, uh, will deal with the consequence or the attack. And it's like because they're so shocked, they're like, I, I don't even know what to do anymore. Because if, if it had it came this way, I could have dealt with it. Listen, if you, if you would have came after my kids, I'm pretty strong on that one. I can handle that. But it was unfair to hit me in my marriage. You could have hit me in my marriage, and I could handle that because I was ready for that. I was worded up on that. But it was real unfair to come at me from my children. See, this is why God hated the Amalekites, and he told uh, Saul to kill them all. And, of course, he didn't. But this is why God hated the Amalekites, because the Amalekites were sneaky. They were dirty. They'd sneak up on you. They wouldn't observe any uh, rules of combat. They were just dirty uh, uh, fighters. And so Satan is an Amalekite. He's a dirty fighter. He doesn't play by any rules. Just because you think certain things are off limits, nothing is off limits for Satan. And when he comes at you, you have got to be guarded in all areas. That's why he said when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up the standard. You can't, you can't anticipate everything that Satan's going to do. But you can prepare for your response. Because your response has got to be all is well. You sure, Pastor? Yeah, all is well. We're going to make it? Yes. We're going to get through this? Yes. How? I don't know. <laughs> it's not my job. How is above my pay grade. My responsibility is to know that these trials and problems are inevitable. It has to come. They're unpredictable. There's no way I could tell you it was coming. They're always of diverse types, but they are purposeful, and there's always purpose in the pain. There's always purpose in the struggle. There's always deliverance in the struggle. Because I'm telling you, once you've been hit in the mouth, your whole perspective changes now. You're not afraid of it anymore. Because you know that no matter what happens, if I keep fighting, I'll never lose. The only way I lose is if I give up. The only way I lose is if I quit. Man, I wish somebody would understand what I'm talking about. It, it, it's a place where you begin to become so ready, so ready, that even if you get hit and get knocked down, you get back up again. And you get hit again, and you get back up again. And when you keep coming, and Satan knows he can't stop you, then all of a sudden he's like, i got to find a different avenue because this one is not working. This button has been disconnected. They seem to understand how to get past this particular thing. So now i got to figure out something else. we got to keep him on his toes. Because, again, God is never shocked. He is never surprised. And watch what it says, to the testing, the testing of your faith. You know, uh, that word testing is the purification. Um, in the metal world, they have what they call dross. And dross is when you heat metal up to a certain temperature, the impurities of the metal begin to burn off. And it floats to the top. Uh, when you heat metal to a certain temperature, it turns into liquid. And at the very top of that liquid is all the impurities 
that float to the top, and they call it dross. And they skim that dross off the top, and that's when you see a gold bar, that gold bar has gone through that process. That's why it's gold and shiny. There's no impurities in it anymore because impurities will burn at a certain temperature that the metal uh, can reach. And so when he's talking about the testing of your faith, he's telling you it's to purify your faith. It's not to see whether you have it or don't because truthfully, your outcome will let you know whether you have it or not. He's not trying to see whether you have it or not. He's trying to build and purify your faith so that it can produce. If you've ever lifted weights before, you don't run into the gym and start putting 50-pound uh, plates on each side and try to bench press this, that, and the third. You're going to hurt yourself. You start with something. Uh, sometimes the bar itself is, is, is a good 20, 30, 40 pounds. So you start with that. Then you start throwing some small plates on and some bigger plates on. And what God's trying to do is, listen, we're not comparing the trial. There's some people, you tell them, hey, you know, I, I, I got a hangnail the other day. Like, so what? I, my, I got my foot cut off. Like we in a comparison game. It's not a comparison game. Whatever it is you're lifting, whatever weight you're pushing right now, how many ever plates you got on your is not the same as mine. But rest assured that God is sitting there spotting you going, okay, let's get this one. Now we got this one. Okay, let's get the next one. Let's add a little bit more. Let's get the next one. Because what I've called you to do, you can't function in that from here. I got to get you built up so that you can endure some things. I got to get you strong enough to handle what I'm going to give you. Because when I call your name and I say it's your time, you got to be able to step up and withstand and endure whatever levels of attack come. Because people think this stuff is easy. They think, oh my God, I see how pastor does this. And it's so easy. It's not easy. It's the anointing. You have no idea the cost that it takes to endure the attack that comes especially when God wants to use you and to expand and increase you. There's an additional fire that comes to purify the faith so that when I stand, I can stand in the midst of controversy. I can stand in the midst of an attack. I can stand in the midst of trouble and still proclaim that God is good in the midst of it all. Even though people don't get it, they don't see it, they don't know it. But trust me when I tell you, Satan would love nothing more than to take you out at this stage. And with every level that God brings you to, just before you're about to come through, what does 2 Corinthians tell us? That there's adversaries at the door. What's the adversary there for? To keep you from ever going through the door. And if you are crazy enough to step through the door, the adversaries are there to attack you, to get you to go back. <laughs> it was easier back there. We know. But easy is not what we do. Easy is not what we're shooting for. Can you imagine how the children of Israel came out of Egypt? God delivered them and said, I'm giving you a promise of deliverance. I'm giving you a promise of a land of your own. I'm giving you a promise of a place of your own. I'm giving you a promise of a place that floweth with milk and honey where clusters of grapes are so big you got to carry them between pole and staves between two people. And they had the nerve to say, 
we had it better in Egypt? No, it wasn't better in Egypt. It was easier. And people confuse better and easy. Because whatever is better is often not easy. And this is one of the problems with people in these get-rich-quick schemes. They want to be rich quick. It's not quick. It's not easy. There's work involved. And when there's work involved, it's not something that's going to come just because you want it. It's going to, be, it's going to come because you're the last person standing. It's going to come that when all hell's broken loose, you are willing to do what other people won't do. This is why many are called and very few are chosen. Because there's, there is the ability to endure and to withstand. And so when he says the testing of your faith, he's trying to purify it to the place where you can handle the next level. Then he says it develops perseverance, which is to do what? To strengthen it. And then he says that you may be mature, which means it causes you to grow up. <clears throat> I remember a day where my rent payment was $600. And, man, it took every bit of faith I had to believe for $600. Every bit. Now my car payment's more than that. I want you to understand what I'm trying to get you to see. Because this is not a, 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 a uh, how do I say it? <clears throat> this is not a bragging thing. This is, I want you to understand that when you have a payment in this building of $13,000 a month, it takes faith to carry that. It takes an anointing to carry that. And so if you're going to freak out over $600, how are you going to believe God for $13,000? And what happens when it's $20,000? What happens when it's a million? Every single month. See, God is taking every one of you from step to step, from faith to faith, from victory to victory, from glory to glory, in order to increase you. Because remember, he told him, I will not increase you all at once. He says, I'm going to do it little by little. Why? Because <clears throat> if he increased you all at once, you can't handle it. Did you know 80% of all people who hit the lottery are, are broke within, I think it's like 10 years? You want to know why they're broke within 10 years? Because their prosperity level has never matched their soul. They got more money than they knew how to handle. How you live making $50,000 a year is not the same as how you live making $5 million a year. How you manage money at $30,000 a year is not the same as how you manage money at $30 million a year. They're two different levels. And if the prosperity of your soul, if your soul has not gotten to the place of handling and the maturity necessary to handle that level, you will be broke in no time flat. This is why if you've ever wondered why you see certain people, God will bless them with something, he'll give them something, and they can never seem to hold on to it. It's because their soul hasn't gotten to the place to match the level of prosperity God's trying to take them to. And then you see them go through calamity and trial after trial after trial. And you're wondering, okay, why does that keep happening? Well, it keeps happening because they have never grown and their faith has never been purified. They've never grown to the place where they are able to discern the next level and what that looks like. You can't go into Egypt or you cannot go into your promised land acting like an Egyptian. 
there's a, there's a space in between where we got to get you out the hood and then we got to get the hood out of you. So, then, so that when you go into your promised land, you're dealing with your promised land as someone who is familiar with what that looks like. And so he says that it causes you to be mature, or in other words, to grow up, that he may establish and strengthen you. So that now, when little things happen, it doesn't phase you. See, if, if Satan can get you, the moment he hits you with something, if he can get you to freak out and give up, then he's got you. Now he can steal whatever he wants, and it's over. It's like you believe in God for your health, and all of a sudden, then attacks are coming. Then you're ready to just give up. Oh, see, this is not going to work, and you give up. He just stole your miracle. He just stole your manifestation. This is where endurance comes into play. This is where strengthening comes into play. This is where you get mature. See, it's, it's funny how the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. And the more I realize I don't know, the more I realize time answers all things. In other words, in my <clears throat> teens, everything had to be now. Now, now, now. I wanted to be grown. I wanted to have my own stuff. Never thinking that I had to pay for all of my own stuff. And then, of course, in your 20s, you start to slow it down just a little. But you still want it all now. And then in your 30s, you kind of start to realize something. You know, the clock is really ticking. And now isn't going to work because things take time. And then you start getting into your 40s, which is where I am. And I start realizing that, you know, if you give it enough time, things come back around. Stuff that these young kids are, are, are wearing and doing, they think is new. It's not new. That stuff was out 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. It's, it's a cycle. And you start to learn that as you get more time, you start seeing things in a broader perspective. Now, instead of seeing, I mean, do you realize we have lost almost an entire year due to COVID? Yet, this has been, I'll speak for myself, my best year I've ever had. But it's almost been a year. See, <clears throat> there was a time where I would have thought six months was forever. And now you blink and six months is gone. You blink, a whole year is gone. See, we start measuring, the older we get, we start measuring longer distances and realizing it takes more to get certain places. But that's a sign of maturity. And now as you mature, you go, you know what? I'm not in a rush. God, if you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it because I can't. I've, I've come to the conclusion that whatever it's going to be, I can't do it. I've tried with my own strength. I've tried with my own ability. And God, you just going to have to be the one. And so when it's on you, I have to cast now the whole of my care unto you. All of it. Every single piece of it, I got to give it over to you. And I'm going to sit back and believe you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do in the meantime. Because that's why the Bible says those that wait on the Lord. Wait don't mean sitting on your komosayama. Wait means doing the last thing God told you to do until he makes otherwise arrangements. And when that happens, that's when I'll step forward. But until then, I'm going to wait on him and let him be God. And I'm going to be me. 
and understand the idea that I'm being uh, tested, I'm being grown, I'm being matured into another level so that when the next devil comes, I am not concerned about what level of attack he brings because I know that I have intimacy with my God because I've learned how to hide myself in the cleft of the rock. I've learned how to trust and be under the shadow of the Almighty. I've learned how to live in that place to trust where my help comes from and to know that he is the one who literally with an outstretched arm is the one who saves me and takes care of me and blesses me and provides for me and does everything it is that I need to make sure of my continued success. And I am absolutely convinced that until the day God is done with me, I am 10 foot tall and bulletproof. The moment he's done, I'm ready to be done. (laughs) See, this is why Paul said to die is to gain. So many people have such a a, a bad uh, understanding of what it means to die. If you're a believer, it's transition. And Paul said, it's to die is to gain. He said, I'd rather go on. He said, but the reason why I can't is because God ain't done with me here yet. He said, but I assure you, when he's done, when I finish my race, I'm crossing over to the other side, and I'll see y'all when you get there. But can you imagine having the presence of mind and the reality of mind for Paul to say, to die is to gain. When everyone else is afraid of it, He's like, no, that's, that's, that's the win. He said, but nevertheless, it's needful that I be here for you. He says, I have a purpose in God to be here. And all that we go through, we've got to be mindful of that purpose that God has placed in us. <clears throat> Can you imagine and fathom the idea that the Apostle Paul wrote all of the Pauline epistles So when you talk about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the synaptic gospels. They are uh, the history, the the chronological order of things that occurred biblically. So when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it is all from the different viewpoints of the same instances and the same situations. So if you can imagine uh, an elephant and four people around that elephant who are all blind, and they're touching different parts of the same elephant and are describing what they see. That's the four Gospels. They're all describing the same situation, but they're telling it from their perspective. Then you get the Pauline epistles, which are, you know, Colossians and Ephesians and Romans, and they're all written by the Apostle Paul. The Gospels tell you what happened. The Pauline epistles tell you why it happened and what it means for you. So can you imagine the Apostle Paul writing about what freedom in Christ you have, yet he's locked up in prison? The very one who is articulating to you what your freedoms are is the very one who doesn't have any for himself. Yet he's got to articulate, motivate, inspire, and teach you what it is to be free. Yet he was beheaded in captivity himself. See, (laughs) can you imagine what it was like for 
John the Baptist, who in his mother's womb, Elizabeth's womb, he meets Jesus. And he comes to Jesus where Mary and Elizabeth greet each other. And he leaps in his mother's womb, having never met Jesus, but yet just in a greeting, in a salutation, he comes in contact with Jesus and he's filled with the Holy Ghost from the womb. This is the same John the Baptist that when Jesus came over the ridge, having never met him, said, Behold, the Lamb. Knew him so intimately that never having put natural eyes on him, when he came over the ridge, he knew that was him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Yet the same John is now in prison sending messengers to ask Jesus, Are you really the one? Do you have any idea the level of attack you have to endure that from the womb you know that's Jesus? You spot him coming over the hill. You know that's Jesus. But then now you are sitting in prison and you're sending people to go ask Jesus, are you really the one? Because, see, I I know some of you can't get to that place, but I'm telling you, I've been in places where I begin to wonder, God, if you called me, God, you told me, God, you promised me, what in the world is going on? Why would I have to go through all of this? Why in the world is this the way this has got to be? Are you sure? Are you positive? I don't understand this don't make any sense are you really the one and that place of questioning comes because you are not sure but the reality is that God will always step in and let you know yes I'm real yes I'm the one yes I called you yes I've got a purpose and you shall see the goodness and yet it will feel (laughs) and I emphasize the word feel like all hell has just broken loose. But the reality is, God wants to strengthen you. He wants to mature you. He wants to bring you to a place where you can believe Him for bigger things and not be moved and not be afraid and not concern yourself with the things that don't matter. Watch what Romans 8.28 says. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The, the word to be conformed is to be patterned after. In other words, we know Jesus endured attack. We know Jesus endured testing. Satan came after him and tried him. And he says that he would be the pattern that you would follow. That you would know that when you find yourself under attack, you are are in good company. See... Some of you don't realize that the level of the attack is, how do I say it? Let me back up. Some of you think you're not called, or some of you don't know whether you're called. 
And some of you don't even know to what extent you might be called. And all those things are fine. doesn't matter. What matters is that even if you don't know the level of the call, if you had any idea at the level of the attack, it would tell you the level of the call. See, sometimes you're not paying attention because you're like, well, well why am I attacked so hard? Why, why did I have to go through all of this? Why did it have to be so extreme? Because the level you're called to, the attack matches the level you're called to, not the level you're playing at. See, when you play video games, you're on level one, you play level one devils. You get to level two, you play level two devils, right? And as you get better, you go up and up and up until eventually you, you beat the game. Well, can you imagine if you were called to level 10 and you're fighting level 10 devils at level one? Because Satan knows the anointing. The Bible says he moved up and down in the anointing with God. He knows it. So if God fearfully and wonderfully made you from the womb, why do you think Satan wants to kill babies before they're born? That's why the agenda is so crazy. Because they know if I can kill it before it's born, it's stopped. Then if you so happen to be born, I got to take you out at a young age. I got to get you uh, offended and hurt. I got to get you uh, molested. I got to get you attacked as a young child so I can derail it early. Because I knew when you came out your mother's womb, I know the anointing. I know what you are capable of. So I got to hit you early. I got to get you in a situation that will mess you up young. I, and if I can't get you young, then I will put things into your life when you were young that I'll trigger when you're old. Oh, my God. I'm preaching way better than some of y'all. Amen. Because I got to get you off of the track. Because if I can derail you early. Because I'm not playing against you as a level one devil. You think you're on level one, and you probably are. But you are fighting at levels of where you're called to. And Satan is releasing everything he can to stop the program before you ever catch a clue. Because if you ever woke up and got to the realization of what God actually is trying to do, if God's plan doesn't intimidate you, it's likely insulting to him. Whatever he's trying to do in your life should scare everything out of you. It should make you nervous. You should be slightly concerned. You should start thinking something might be wrong with me to believe this is what God wants to do. When you get to that level of thinking, you are getting close. And so this is why it's important for you to understand that if you can't see the call, if you don't know what you're called to, that's fine. Because through time, just keep coming. It all comes around. But it's interesting to me how many people don't pay attention to the level of attack. Because Satan tips his hand every single time when he launches an attack. Listen, if we're enemies and I'm no threat to you, you wouldn't waste your time with me. There's nothing to talk about. The only way you'd release an attack against me is if you knew that somehow I'm going to be a problem for you. And Satan works just that way. And that's why the Bible says all things work together for good. Not for everybody. 
but for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Why? So that you would be walking in the pattern, the image of His Son. And that pattern includes the persecution, the attack, and everything else that comes with it. Now, how do we live? We live the good life. How do we live? We live on top of the barrel. We don't live in a defeated position, but that does not mean attacks will not come. And when your personality is one where you can't keep it under control, this is why I said the reason why they couldn't mix it with faith is because they couldn't take the whole of their personality, all of who they are, and lean it on God. And I'm telling you, if you begin to search yourself and say, okay, what area am I not leaning on God? What area am I not allowing God to be God? Is it your finances? Is it in your mind? Is it your heart? Is it your will? Is it in your emotions? But when you begin to dissect that and say, okay, if I'm going to be the pattern, or I'm going to follow the pattern, and I know Jesus was completely submitted, because many people think that uh, Jesus was weak. They think that he was powerless. And the problem is that's not true. Because even though he was gentle, he had all power under total control. This is why when they came to him, they said, hey, should we call down fire? Jesus was like, you don't know what spirit you're of. In other words, could I call down fire? Sure could. Am I? No. Because that's not what we're here to do. So when you have all power under total control, you handle things differently. You think differently. You function differently. I don't have to bow up and tell you about yourself. You know about yourself. But at what point do I submit my whole personality on God? That then the love of God constrains me and it doesn't allow me to say certain things. It doesn't allow me to do certain things. It doesn't allow Satan to come into my relationship and push a button because I'm struggling with one thing. And now because he pushed this button, I'm about to destroy my whole relationship over it. Are are you understand what I'm saying? Because he's very crafty. He knows your weaknesses. He knows what you went through. He knows your past. He knows your struggles. And so he's always roaming around. When, when uh, God asked him about Job, he said, have you tried my servant Job? And Satan said, you got a hedge of protection around him. How would Satan know that there's a hedge of protection around Job if he wasn't running around Job looking for an entrance? He's constantly studying him. And what he didn't know was God didn't put a hedge of protection around him. Job had a hedge of protection around himself because of how Job lived, because of how Job believed God. And so when you are, are, are dealing with an enemy who's constantly looking for an opening, you've got to start dealing with your whole personality. You've you got to start dealing with you. Because the one area you refuse to deal with, uh, you remember when uh, <clears throat> the, the crown came to Ziklag and, and David uh, received the crown from an Amalekite. And he said, well, how did you get this crown? And he said, well, um, Saul was there, and Saul told me to kill him, and so I killed him. And David said, you weren't afraid to touch God's anointed? 
There wasn't nothing in you that said this is a king. Even though the king told him, kill me, because I'm dying. So David killed the Amalekite who brought the crown to him. Because David knew that if you're the type of person that could kill a king, regardless of if the king asked you to or not, but if you have no boundaries, you can't serve with me. Thank you for bringing me the crown. Satan can use anybody to bring me the crown. But you will not remain in my presence because you cannot be trusted. And isn't it something how the very thing that killed Saul was the very thing Saul wouldn't kill? Think about that. God told him, kill them all. Leave nothing behind. And he didn't. And his ultimate demise was at the hand of what it is he wouldn't kill. So I'm challenging you <laughs> to really think some, about some of these things and to realize there are aspects of your personality that you can't seem to get to lean on God. You got to start working on it. And get yourself to a place where you put your whole personality, your whole leaning on him in every situation and you will see God move every single time. Because now you're mixing it with faith and now you have profit. There are some things that I've had to go through. I sure wish I didn't. But I've absolved myself and said, you know what, okay. Lord, I'm believing for a miracle. But if I got to go through it, I'm going to go through it. But here's what I know. I'm going through it. I'm not stopping in this thing. Because either one of two things are going to happen. It's going to happen spontaneously or you're working something for my good. And this is building me into a better place. But I refuse to stay in this situation. I refuse to accept this situation. I refuse to embrace this situation because this too shall pass. This is a stopover. This is a layover. Can you imagine how crazy it would be for you to get on a plane that has a layover and get off in a layover? That's not my destination. My destination is health and healing. My destination is prosperity. My destination is eternal life. My destination is prospering. My destination is where God is taking me. My destination is faith in him. My destination is where he's taking me. Everything else is a layover. And I can trust him in the midst of it all, knowing that he will take me to the next step, to the next step, to the next step, because I'm following the pattern. And so there are five things that I got to learn how to do. Number one, I got to learn how to resist in every situation. The Bible tells us to resist the devil and he will flee. That resistance is not based on you. It's based on God. The second thing, I got to make my request known unto God. Whatever my petitions are, I make them known. Lord, this is what I'm believing you for. And once I've made it known, I don't ask again. I'm thanking him for it. 
Lord, I thank you that my body is healed from the top of my head to the very soles of my feet. Father, I thank you my bank account overflows. I thank you that we have enough clients and everybody pays on time. I thank you the business is booming. I thank you that, that we are doing uh, phenomenal work in, in the city. I thank you that the ministry is expanding and growing. I thank you that you're moving upon the hearts of people and you're bringing a body together that's going to impact this world for your purpose and for your glory. See, once the request is made, it's now I'm thanking him for it. And now I learn how to respond and how to answer the situation. See, when, when Jesus came to the fig tree and he showed up to the fig tree and the fig tree had leaves but had no fruit, anything that is a dark color, blue, purple, uh, green, is typically out of the sunlight. Once sun hits it, it starts to turn a very bright color, red, orange, yellow. Uh, and so... When you see a fig tree and it has leaves, the leaves cover the figs, which means that it should have figs. So when he comes on a tree and lifts it up and sees there's no figs, he's like, this is a hypocrite. This tree should have figs because it's in its right season, but it doesn't. And so he curses the tree. And if you notice, when you study it, it'll tell you, he says he answered the tree. Well, what did the tree tell him? No figs for you. What did the tree tell him? You're going to starve. The tree said, now, I know you're here because you're hungry, but I'm going to make you starve. And Jesus answered that tree. He responded to it and said, no man will ever eat from you again. You can't go through your trials quiet. A closed mouth don't get fed. You've got to learn how to respond to that situation. When Satan tells you you're going to die, you tell him you're going to burn. Now what? See, because the response, how you respond, makes all the difference in the world. How you respond will determine where you are situating your faith and where your expectations are. And then the next thing is, you got to rejoice. And, you know, your, your praise level's got to reach your petition level. Because you can pray and miss it because you won't praise. When you bring it before God, you've got to let him know, I, I trust you. I thank you. You're not going to steal my joy. You're not going to steal my shout. You're not going to steal my worship. You're not going to steal this. Listen, this too shall pass. I don't care how bad it looks, but I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. And I'm going to get my rejoicing level up to match my request. Because the higher your rejoicing goes, the higher your request goes. And then the last thing you do is you got to relax. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to relax. <laughs> Some of you get too uptight, too fast, too quick. One of the fruit of the spirit, one of the fruits of the spirit is temperance. You know what temperance is? Temperance is is, is when you uh uh for example, uh last night I made a a a cheese souffle. And so, you know, when making the 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 first part, it's hot and then you mix in a bunch of eggs. Well, you mix the eggs. You can't put it together real fast because you can't put hot in the eggs. You'll, you'll cook them. You'll get scrambled eggs. So you have to temper them. Well, how do you temper them? You let it cool a little bit, and you pour a little bit in, and you, and you start adding it slowly as the, so the temperature slowly comes up, and you temper things. See, when you're temperate, no matter what Satan does to you, you come up slowly. <laughs> Your, your, your anger levels don't jump from zero to 60. You, you, don't, you, know, you, you don't go from here to here. 
in 2.2 seconds. You move slowly. You're not moved. Is that the best you got? That's all you can do? See, and that's now you're in a relaxed mode. You're not, tears ain't flowing. You ain't salty about this, that, and the third. Everything is about I'm unmoved. That's why when the Bible says to stand, after you've done all you can do to stand, stand some more. And trust that he is the one that's got it all under control. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, Father God, we just thank you. We're so grateful to be in your house. We're so grateful for all you're doing in the midst. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. These things we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Thank you.